Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome in the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord, bro. Praise Blessed the Lord. Blessed more than I deserve, that's for sure. Amen. Amen. And uh, if you guys don't hear Joe's voice, uh, don't get too scared. He's coming right back. He's just... Uh, he fell a little under the weather this week. It had nothing to do with his heart. It just he literally got sick, you know. So we were trying to get him in here. We we were like, hey, maybe we'll get you in for a couple episodes. But with everything going on, um, uh, we, we Tony can't get sick right now. <laughs> I don't want to get sick right now, especially I already had COVID. I don't want anything new, you know. So uh, so yeah. So we stomach bug. Yeah, yeah, a little stomach bug. So. Hopefully he'll feel better. Keep him in prayer. Hopefully he'll be back on Sunday to preach at, uh, at Blessed Hope Chapel. So keep that in prayer. And nonetheless, we are excited to be talking about an important subject. And I know, Tony, we were talking about this before the show. Um, this is a question I think you've gotten a lot as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for both of us, it's something that gets sent in a lot. People just asking. It's a curious question. Um, and I, I want to do, before we dig into the question as a whole, I want to just thank you guys so much. We've been so encouraged, especially, uh, you know, between the, the text messages and the calls and the messages and the comments on YouTube and so forth. You guys all praying for Joe and his health, and we have continued to pray, and, and we've fasted, a lot of us as well. Um, we want to have many, many years of service alongside of him. Uh, he does such a great job. I know I'm still learning. I said, no, my... I told him when he thought he was going to maybe go to be the Lord, I said, I got my, uh, your grandkids still got a lot to learn from you, so I I don't want their grandpa not here to learn from them. So we've been so so excited to that your prayers, I believe, have been answered for those who've been mm-hmm. praying for him and as well as ours. So I wanted to say thank you to, that, to you guys as well as all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much. And uh, if you haven't signed up for Patreon, you know, you guys do get a lot of, uh, I guess, what, inside intel? Would you, would you say that would be inside the— Inside intel, get some inside perks. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I we try to personalize a little bit more because a lot of times on these shows, we dig right into the scriptures and you guys hear a lot about what we view about scripture. And so when it comes to that, I, I like to give updates from my house. If you're on there, you get to see a lot of my kids and, and stuff. Tony will take pictures in the King's jerseys and, right. and so forth. But <laughs> but you guys get to know us a little bit more on there and more of an intimate setting because it's a lot less people than, you know, 100,000 people on YouTube or 50,000 people on Facebook or so forth. But uh, but yeah, it, it's it's awesome. And, and you guys, have been blessing us um, immensely, whether you're on Patreon or not. You guys have been an absolute blessing to us. And so, for those who are on Patreon right now, in those tiers that are supposed to get uh, some gifts and DVDs and shirts, we are working on that. We're putting it together. I'm working with the printer right now to get all the shirts done. So that that is forthcoming. So don't think we forgot about you. 
Yeah, and, and um, we'll actually, even for those who aren't patrons, we'll have those for purchase hopefully soon enough as right. well so, yep. for you guys. So, And all that is goes back to support the ministry. That's, what we, that's why we do it. That's why we started a Patreon. Uh, Doug Stapleton, one of the brothers here at our fellowship and involved with Good Fight, he convinced us, uh, convinced Joe more or less yeah. is the truth. Us, it doesn't take too much convincing. If you ask me to do anything, I'll probably do it, you know, as long as it's not sinful. And uh, he said, hey, man, we could support um, maybe to help get video, more videos done, more stuff done. And we've literally hired one extra person on editor. And there's now a young man also who's kind of assistant to that editor who's been working as well. So mm-hmm. we're kind of expanding. Uh, you know, we got the 511 Street team out there. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been growing, and it's a lot because of your guys' prayers and gifts and thanksgiving to the Lord for what He's doing, because people are being radically blessed, and I get to read those emails all the time, and I just wanted to say that. So perfect to be talking about this because I've seen this question come from a lot of people that are involved with Good Fight a lot, and especially because at Blessed Hope Chapel. Joe, for a number of years, has been going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, he had a nice pace going, and then we kind of have gone to other books and topical messages and things like that, and then he got sick as well. But Ecclesiastes has been a book that we as a fellowship have been digging into. And I know, um, Tony, we've talked about this uh, for for quite a while. Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books for a lot of reasons, and I, I think it's really, really cool because you really do have to read the entire thing before just grasping what is being talked about, how it's being talked about, and and so forth. And I think that's important because one of the things is, is I think I had mentioned this when we were uh, a very, when I was very young in the fellowship, young to salvation, I was in uh, somewhat of the college age group of kids who went through a book, and that book was Ecclesiastes. And one of the cool things, as I said, about the book is that you need to read it as a whole uh, rather than just it's the sum of its parts, you know, and that you can just read certain verses and take certain verses. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 was one that I had written on my heart that God had said eternity on our hearts because that was something that bothered me as an atheist was eternity, uh, that when I died, it was gonna, it was bothersome to me before I was saved that there was and there could be there in eternity. And it, and it just, I, I would hate to think about it, and so I'd drink myself dull so I didn't have to. So Ecclesiastes 3, when I got to that text, when I read that scripture, I was like, wow, I remember that bothering me when I was a non-believer because it doesn't just say he said eternity on the believer's hearts or the faithful or the wise. It's he said eternity on man's hearts, and, and that's exactly right. And that's something that I believe is one of the provenient graces that God goes before us to draw us to himself. And uh, th- that is one of those things, that that aching and longing for the eternal. But nonetheless, because of going through Ecclesiastes, because of reading through obviously first kings and 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 second kings and so forth first kings specifically there's a lot of questions and you'll see them on the internet you'll see them all over the place there are a lot of questions concerning solomon and whether or not solomon is with the lord and i've seen some good arguments on both sides so i want to lay them out a little bit and then once I lay them out, I want you to I want to give you my scriptural opinion. I do believe that I'm right. Obviously, I wouldn't tell you it, right? I, you know, I just thought that was a weird <laughs> comment. People were like, that guy always thinks he's right. I'm like, well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think I was. I don't think that I'm always right, but I always think I'm right when I say something, right? Um, uh, not not to be arrogant. I am sh- I've made plenty of mistakes and been wrong plenty of times, but 
nonetheless, especially when it comes to scripture, I like to try to dig in as best I can, and I don't always get everything right, and the Lord is graceful to me and and <laughs> in his everlasting kindness towards me. But nonetheless, this is an issue that comes up quite a bit. And as Tony had said in the beginning, also, he's gotten emails, I've gotten emails, I've gotten texts from brothers in Christ, especially while going through Ecclesiastes is, dude, was this guy even saved? Like, like was this guy a believer? He wrote so much in the in the Old Covenant. Like, what what on earth? I mean, you go through Proverbs. You know, Solomon's writing all these Proverbs. You read the Song of Solomon, right? I think in, in the NIV they call it the Song of Songs, you know, mm-hmm. which is not as cool to me. I, I want to know who wrote it. But um, I remember because he we would talk about it during, oh, please turn to the Song of Solomon, and I'd be looking for it as a new believer, like, what, what am I looking for here? You know, and then I'd, I'd finally figure it out. He's the wisest man. He prayed for wisdom. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's give a little bit of his bio. Um, so Solomon was the son of David. And Solomon, it's it's really interesting when you do look at his life because David, who was a man after God's own heart, who followed after King Saul, who was unfaithful, who God said if he was faithful, he would have given him an everlasting kingdom. But because he was not, he lost it. He did not listen to the commands of the Lord. He thought that sacrifice was more important than obedience, and God clarifies, and that's something that should be, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 15, should be for our strength and encouragement that we might have hope when we look back to those texts in the Old Testament and see that Saul was not faithful because he didn't follow the commands of the Lord, and because he didn't follow the commands of the Lord, the Holy Spirit left him, and it left Saul and went on to David. And Saul would have evil spirits upon him, and it was David, filled with the Holy Spirit, who God would use in a radical way to come and play the harp, and the the demons would leave Saul. I think there's a lot to be said there about music and the Holy Spirit, but that's for another teaching. Nonetheless, when we see this, we see David then become king. Now, you can, what's amazing is when you read through 1 Kings, specifically when it talks about Solomon, it even makes mention that David followed the Lord with all his heart except for with Uriah the Hittite. So God doesn't just push it under the ground and say, let's not talk about it. He brings out the fact that, yes, David was faithful except for on this occasion when he slept with Uriah's wife and what happened to their child when he slept with Uriah's wife Bathsheba the child died and what's radical is when you see David and and I always think it's really interesting David's reaction towards Absalom his son and David's reaction towards Saul who he was predecessor of in terms of being the king of Israel you see their their reaction is of mourning. In fact, the person who brought news of Saul's death, David kills him. I mean, we are talking about serious stuff here. And David is brokenhearted by their death, but then you look and see when David's own child dies, when God tells him because of his sin that child would die, and basically that is God taking that child from him because he is unworthy because of his sin, okay? And he, and he takes that child. David is praying and and asking God to, to let the child live, but the child is taken from him and given to its proper father. And what happens is David immediately, their, their, their servant's like, do you remember what happened when we told him about Saul? <laughs> the messenger died, right, for telling him about Saul. He's like, what are we going to do when we tell him about his son? And he, when they heard them, David then 
goes and he's like, my son is dead, isn't he? And they told him, yes, he is. And immediately, do you remember David's reaction? He goes and worships and praises the Lord immediately. Now, I can tell you this. I got four children. I could not imagine losing one. And I pray that I would have that amount of strength, that I would have a, a, a heart after God because or that my heart would be after God's own heart because that's a radical thing to happen. But I do believe it's because he says the statement that he knows that he can't go to be with him now, but he will one day be with him. He knew where his son was going to be ultimately, and he also knew probably had a good idea where Saul and Absalom probably went. But that's some conjecture. But nonetheless, I, I think that that's uh, some interesting text. But what does happen is God does promise David, uh, not only he has multiple children, but specifically that Solomon would be the one. Solomon is the one that God would use to bring forth his gener- generationally through David. And so Solomon is is born and lives and so forth. And David wants to build a temple. Now, they had the tabernacle in those days that they would build up and, and the exact requirements that God had for them. But now David wanted to build a temple for God, and God says, no, he cannot build a temple. And the temple is not going to be built by him because he has shed too much blood. But the temple would be built by his son, Solomon. And Solomon is one of the most interesting cases. Now that we get to his life, Solomon is one of the most interesting cases because Solomon does some radical things when God pretty much offers him anything he can want for the kingdom, right? So he could have great splendor and all these different things. He asks for one thing, wisdom. He wants wisdom by which he would rule his kingdom. And that is amazing that God would grant him this and made Solomon the wisest among them. His his name was known throughout the nations because of different things, different judgments that he had made and his wisdom went out and everyone knew it, his splendor, all the things that he had. We read about not only in 1 Kings, but even Ecclesiastes, he mentioned these. But then we read Proverbs and we see his wisdom poured out onto paper by way of the Holy Spirit. It's just absolutely incredible to see some of the statements made. In fact, if you just read Proverbs and didn't know the Lord, there's practical knowledge, practical things in teaching that would help you in your day-to-day life. But more so now with us knowing the Lord, reading Proverbs is so radical. In fact, I just had a, a young believer that's in my, I was able to baptize him. He's been saved now for about a year and he's in my discipleship group. And he was asking me about different ways uh, that he can grow in the Lord over the next year because we had everyone set uh, their spiritual goals for the next year. Mine has to do with church planting and, and things like that. But um, And some guys are trying to finish up Bible college and so forth. And he wanted to, to really buckle down and be less like the world and more like Jesus. And so if I, if I could summarize it as best I can, he had asked one of the other guys in the discipleship uh, discipleship group, hey, what could I do? And one of the advices that guy gave was read Proverbs um, every every day, um, read a proverb a day. Now, that's not the only thing you should read in Scripture, but I was encouraged, and I've probably said this on the show before, I was encouraged a long time ago when I was a brand new believer, I think it was maybe, not that new, maybe like four or five months into my faith, where someone said, hey, why don't you do this? Read Proverbs. And he's like, you could literally read one chapter a day. And what you do is you highlight the things in your life that you need to change. 
this is something that God says is not for my benefit, highlight it and say, I'm going to change that. And I'm going to change that and see what your life is like. Now, I highlighted most of the book, I'm sure, at the time as a new believer growing in sanctification. But it was something that it changed my walk. And I'll tell anyone that. It changed my walk as a young believer. And I I will never look back on that as anything other than a powerful moment in my walk with Christ. And so as we as I move forward in my walk, I, I, I have given that advice a number of times to people. Hey, try this out on top of your other reading. You should be reading the Word every single day. It's more. It should be uh, of greater esteem than than uh, your necessary food and all these things. And I said, read Proverbs day. So God used him in a radical way, and my friend is hopefully now doing that, and uh, he got that advice from somebody else that uh, is in the discipleship group. So I, I really loved that, and I thought that was really cool. So Solomon then is ruling the kingdom. God warns him not to go off and have other wives. And Solomon doesn't listen. So let's now get into why someone would believe that Solomon wasn't saved. God used him. He wrote all these books of the Bible. Um, he's, he got to build the temple of God. Go, you can go read 1 Kings chapter 8 through 11. Uh, you can see at least chapter 8 through 10. Uh, you you see of his wealth and his splendor and his wisdom and his building of the temple and and read all everything he did and that God would be there and put his name there. I mean, so many radical things that you're like, wow, of course he was saved, right? But then you get to chapter 11 and things may change. And, and speaking of chapter 11, let me give you one point of argumentation that is used for those who say Solomon was not saved. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith, we have a list of wonderful believers, right? We have Abraham and Moses, right? We have Rahab even. Think about that. We even have Rahab in there, right? And then you have even Barak, right? Now, Barak is the one who wouldn't go out to war without Deborah in the book of Judges. Think about that. And he's in the Hall of Faith. You know who's not there? Solomon. Interesting, right? So that makes a good argument. Now, I will say counter-argument there's a lot of people that love the Lord throughout the Old Testament that are not not in there. It's not a comprehensive list, okay, of every single believer ever in, uh, or otherwise uh, it would be much longer than the New Testament, right? <laughs> I would hope, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so you just think about it. It's not a comprehensive list. So you can't say, without a doubt, this is lock, stock, and done. You know he's not saved because he's not in the, the chapter, because there's plenty of Great, great brothers and sisters in Christ in the Old Covenant, uh, in the Old Testament that are not in there. So you can't say that. But that if he was in there, it would, it would end the argument, right? Like I, for me, Barak. If I just read Judges, I'd be like, man, he, you know, he had to have Deborah out there with him. But I see him in the Hall of Faith. It, it kind of ends the argument for me. So let's go to chapter eleven now, okay? Because this is really important. Because. What we're going to find is Solomon was doing all these things, building the temple, having the wealth and the wisdom and the splendor and everything he had, and that here's what happens after that, right? Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nation concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. Neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. And I'm just going to point this out. 
just look over and over again throughout specifically the Old Testament, right? Um, I guess you have the woman Jezebel also in, in Revelation. But just just continue to look throughout the Old Testament when men would fall, especially strong men, right? Like Samson, like David, and like Solomon, a lot of times the devil didn't come with horns and a pitchfork. He came in, I usually say a miniskirt, right? That, that was like the thing out here. But I, I don't know, bathing on top of a... Uh, you know, on top of a house or, or something, you know. A lot of times when it comes to this, you know, the lust of the eyes is what Satan goes after. And he'll he'll get you away working through sons of disobedience. And so that's exactly what's happening. And I believe, just like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, when it says, come out of her, my people, in context of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, telling us not to be unevenly yoked with non-believers, I believe you could parallel that somewhat here to what the warning given in chapter 11 here about what happened with Solomon. Because a lot of times, well-meaning believers will have their hearts turned away from the Lord because they go after not the Ammonite or the Moabite in terms of who they are racially. Remember Moses uh, Remember Moses married um, a, a, a Cushite woman and their families got pretty upset with him and then they got struck down with leprosy because God was not happy with their viewpoint there. But instead of it simply being a racial thing, what he's talking about here, you shall not associate with them, neither shall you associate with them, for they will surely turn your heart away after other gods. So when you associate yourself, you cleave yourself together, you yoke yourself together with a non-believer, one of the things that happens, you get pulled towards that way. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14, when it tells us not to be unevenly yoked with the non-believer, I imagine that a wife would probably be something that we could put right at the top of the list, let alone your best friends and so forth. And also, we have the right to take a believing wife. Paul says that the widow has a right to take a believing husband as well. So these are things that we have to recognize, read, and understand and say, okay, when, and, and I've seen it so often, especially with new converts, that people get taken away immediately with a non-believing uh, spouse and so forth. So now we're going to read exactly what happened. Solomon held fast to these in love. Solomon did exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. So when you go through the rest of that chapter, you see that Solomon... You know, he, he ends up dying later. He's God tells him specifically that that the kingdom of Israel actually is going to be taken away from his family, and that would be given to Jeroboam, and he would get the northern part, but that he wasn't going to fully take away all of it. So Judah actually goes and is with his son Rehoboam. So when we look at that, you see that there are consequences to sin. And if I just left it there, and if I only read... 1 Kings 11, I would probably say his heart turned away from the Lord. He This happened even though his son ultimately got Judah, right? And then Jeroboam, his servant, would ended up getting uh, Israel. Even though that happened, um, you know, maybe there's some grace there. I would say if I only read 1 Kings 11, if I did have the, the testimony of Hebrews chapter 11 and realized that, guess what, he's not in there, I guess I could say Solomon not saved, Right? I think that could be your conclusion. In fact, 
I think if you read Ecclesiastes, there's hints of it. There's hints of it throughout. But ultimately, if you don't get to the conclusion of chapter 12 and verses 13 and 14, if you do not get to the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, you could consider that Solomon is just writing about how terrible life is a lot of times. But the conclusion helps us understand the rest of the book because everything that is under the sun, everything that is not vertical, everything that is horizontal, okay, is ultimately vanity of vanities, right? A vapor. That's exactly what Ecclesiastes said. And he goes through, I, I'm, when I think about Ecclesiastes, he literally patterns every single thing you could think possible. Whether the fool, whether the wise, whether the the industrial, the hard worker. And that's the one thing he's like, well, this is good under the sun, right? <laughs> At least you have this work. But then guess what? It's going to be given to someone else. All your hard work in your life. So all these eternity projects that people put together. Oh, if I finally get that big house or that big building or I write that book or I write that novel or I get that movie or I get this thing, that will give me an eternal eternity project that when eternity is in their hearts in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, that they can still have something that goes on and lives on after, he's saying this is all vanity. Your eternity projects are useless. Ultimately, because at the end of, after, after, at the end of everything, after everything has been written, fear God and keep his commandments because every single person is going to be judged. That's what he says, and that's the facts. Fear God and keep his commandments because everyone's going to be judged. I believe at the end of his life— the end, yeah, he said that at the end. He said that at the end of his life. I believe at the end of his life that he was no longer under the sun, but he was in the sun. That's my personal view, and I'm not even going to say that just because of the end of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to be say, say that because it was prophesied that Ecclesiastes, that book, is what would happen to him. I'm going to say that because from 1 Kings 11 is prophesied that something will happen, but we're not given the conclusion of this prophecy in 1 Kings 11. Because the conclusion was already written in 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 12. This is to David. This is a prophecy about his son. Here's what it says. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Now, if I just ended there, you could say, yeah, but then he turned his heart against him, right? If I stop right there and I said, yep, that's it, you could say, well, 1 Kings 11 says he turned his heart against him. Here he goes. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. So you see, the prophecy before Solomon was ever even born, the prophecy that was given in Scripture is that he would commit the iniquity. The prophecy that is given in Scripture about David's own son who would have the kingdom, who would be able to build the temple of God, the splendor the, the splendor of the kingdom. Remember when they built the new kingdom, and I know Tony was just reading through uh, Nehemiah and so forth, um, and when they built the new, the new temple, right, under uh, Nehemiah built the wall, right, and mm-hmm. uh, 
when they built that new kingdom, that the people that were alive in the time of the old one were crying because it did not match the splendor of the old one. But this one would be even more important because God would literally stand inside of it in the person of Jesus. But that has a lot to do with prophecy and not what I'm talking about today. (laughs) But when you think about the prophecy that is given here, that he would build the kingdom, that he would establish this kingdom, and that ultimately he would turn to iniquity. God knew, and God would discipline him, and he would come back. Fear God and keep his commandments, because every single person will be judged, was ultimately the conclusion of Solomon's life. So what do I conclude from these scriptures? Even though I don't see him in the Hall of Faith, I don't see every single prophet and so forth in the Hall of Faith, even though 1 Kings 11 would seem to indicate, maybe not saved, When I put the totality of Scripture together with the book of Ecclesiastes as a whole, recognizing what it means by its conclusion throughout the book, and I add the prophecy that he would commit iniquity. It wasn't a surprise to God that it would happen, but that God would discipline him and he would turn back. I believe that ultimately, when it came to the end of Solomon's life, he committed the iniquity, God disciplined him while he was under the sun, and then eventually he found life in the sun. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at PO Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.